Do I want to suffer or do I want to thrive? Dr. Beth O'Hara says to ask yourself this very important question, and the answer will help to determine your fate. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Hey, it's Dr. Kieran, and welcome back to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution. My guest today turned her pain into her purpose and her passion. She is helping millions of people with a disorder that you might not have heard about before, and you're not probably going to hear about it in your doctor's office, mast cell activation syndrome. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and about it, and then we'll get started. Dr. Beth O'Hara helps people with complex chronic conditions related to mast cell activation syndrome, or MCAS. This is one of the most overlooked and under-recognized conditions people are suffering with, affecting between 9 to 17% of the general population and well over 50% of the chronically ill population. MCAS includes dysfunction related to mold toxicity, histamine intolerance, oxalate issues, Lyme, Bartonella, and Babesia, and more. And she designed her practice, Mast Cell 360, to be the comprehensive resource and guiding light for those suffering with these underdiagnosed and life-disrupting disorders after recovering herself from severe debility due to mast cell disease. Welcome, Dr. Beth O'Hara. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. And I'm super excited to talk about this because of your focus on hormones and how all of this relates. And I often find that this conversation for people who are struggling can be a game changer. Yes, I'm hoping and know that people listening lives are going to be changed today because there's so many people out there looking for answers that they're not getting at their doctor's office. So I'm glad to have this platform to be able to present to them people who have answers to what's bothering them. So that was really your story, right? Tell us about that. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I was never quite well as a child, particularly after we moved to the country to this old farmhouse. And we didn't know back then that, you know, these old homes were full of toxic mold, particularly old farmhouses. Now it's a problem in even new homes, but that's a whole different angle we can touch on. And I, you know, we were playing outside all the time and out in the country, you're rolling around in the grass and I was bit by ticks all the time. And my health as a child went downhill pretty quickly. Part of my story is also that I was so driven to go to medical school and I had decided at age six, that's what I was going to do. And so, you know, I was studying Gray's Anatomy. I was getting into the biology textbooks, anything a teacher would give me so I could get my hands on because I wanted to unravel how the human body worked. And as this was going on, maybe what fueled me was that I had these weird things going on in my body. And we, my mother just kept taking me from doctor to doctor. And by the time I was 12, I was on more medications than both my parents put together. 
And I was on antihistamines, I was on mast cell stabilizers, I was on inhalers, but nobody knew what mast cell activation syndrome was back then. I'm in my 40s, so we're talking over 30 years ago. And it got to a point where when I was in high school, I could barely get out of bed in the mornings. I had had a car accident, I couldn't recover, I just could not get my energy back. And my brain was starting to struggle, but I kept pushing my way through it. I made it into my undergrad, my college years, and I had multiple full scholarship rides to medical school, which is really hard to get. I worked so hard for it. And I crashed so much, I had to turn them all down. It was one of the most devastating things I had ever gone through because that was all I wanted in life. And instead of going to medical school, I became the chronically ill patient. And I went from practitioner to practitioner. By the time I was 28, I was on a cane. I could barely walk. It was horrible. Like just, I didn't want to get up and go to the bathroom because it was like walking on ground glass. I couldn't sleep. I mean, I would drift. I had anxiety attacks. I would try to get to the grocery. I would make it if there was any traffic or any stressor, I would make it to the parking lot, have a panic attack and have to go home. And this was my life for years in and out. And at one point I had counted up, I had seen over 50 different types of, or 50 different healthcare practitioners, holistic and traditional alternative, then functional medicine started to become a thing. And I remember the day that my functional medicine doctor was the best that I could get to way before we had telehealth. So it was whoever you could drive to. And um, he working together for three years, I had gotten so exquisitely sensitive, even a sprinkle of quercetin worsened my insomnia and my anxiety. I couldn't handle taking anything that should be helping me. And after three years, he said, Beth, I don't know what else to do. We've exhausted every avenue I know to go down. And I thought, oh my gosh, if he doesn't know, and this is the best person in my area, what, what do I do at this point? And I know that's the boat that a lot of people are in where they're being told it's all in their head. I was told multiple times that I wanted to be sick. I didn't want to be sick. This is the last thing I want to do. I wanted to live my life. My friends were out going dancing and going out to dinner, and I was hoping I could make it through my day. So... When he told me that, I thought, what am I going to do? And I went home and I literally, I had a total meltdown. And I thought, well, you can suffer or you can figure this out and you can thrive. And that was the choice I had to make. Am, am I going to just give up or am I going to figure this out and get through and rebuild my life? So I leaned on that pre-med background and I started reading anything, any second that my brain would click enough so that I could read, I would try to pull something together. And I had landed upon Yasmina Kellenston, who ran healing, it's called Healing Histamine now, it was low histamine chef back then. And she had reported on histamine intolerance. I figured that part out. I figured out my oxalate issues. I knew I had Lyme, but I couldn't tolerate any treatments. And then she started treat, She started talking about mast cell activation syndrome. I went, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Everything makes sense. I have all these symptoms, all this sensitivity. 
these rashes, these flares, the swelling, the pain, the sleep issues, all the, I had horrible GI issues. I got down to 10 foods, 20 if you counted herbs and salt. And that was all I could tolerate. Now everything made sense. So then I just had to figure out the why, as if that was easy. Right. What was triggering it? And that became my mission. And going through that piece by piece, I dug myself out of that pit that was just the worst nightmare I can imagine. And putting these pieces together, realized I had not just solved my my health history, but there was a lot there that for other people as well. And people started coming and asking. And I was doing some life coaching work at that point in time. And I had gotten really deeply into spiritual work. So that was what was getting me through. And people were going, what did you do? Last time I saw you, you were on a cane. You were all swollen. You look like you, you looked terrible. And they said, you know, it's been a year. You look vibrant. You're moving. I still have a long way to go, but he said, can you help me? Whatever you did, can you help me? And that's kind of how I went full circle. And I had been studying medical yoga therapy and things like that. When they started coming to me, I said, gosh, I'm going to have to get this pulled together some more. So I became a health coach. And then I went back to graduate school and in first in marriage and family therapy and then naturopathy. And that got me here. And now I just this past weekend, went hiking for several miles and, <laughs> you know, take my dogs out. And I'm not dancing a whole lot in high heels, but I'm running a busy practice and have a vibrant life. And I sleep every night when I'm so grateful for that. And I eat a lot of different foods and things have really turned around. That's awesome. And, you know, I'm sorry you had that painful journey. But like I always say, our, our pain becomes our purpose for a lot of us. And now look how many people you're helping. And so that's a blessing. You're a blessing in so many people's lives. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, because most people have not heard of mast cell activation syndrome. They don't even know what mast cells are and they don't really have a, a concept, but I know there are people listening who are suffering with chronic health conditions with no diagnosis and no answer. And so MCAS may be the answer. So can you talk a little bit about what it is and how you get it? Absolutely. And it's really on the rise. It's As you talked about in the intro, it has become extremely common. It's quite interesting how common it's become. And I didn't know either when I started out on this, what are these mast cells? Because it wasn't even talked about hardly in the um, naturopathic studies that I did. There were some little mentions here and there, but these mast cells are what I think of as the frontline defending and sensing cells in the immune system. And they're actually tied in very closely with the nervous system as well. And their job is to sense out there, is that a toxin? Is that an allergen? Is this dangerous? And then make a response in our bodies. But they're also, they have dozens of functions, including regulating sleep-wake cycles, injury healing. They're involved in pregnancy. They're extremely critical in our bodies. And they kind of, I, I want to emphasize that because they get a bad rap. People start talking about mast cells. We've got to knock those mast cells out. We don't want to do that because that's our defense system. And because they're part of that defense system and also tied in with the nervous system. So they're going to be responding when we have smells. And I think of people being exposed to 
lot of fires and smoke, people exposed to mold toxins, they're going to be involved in that and responding. And when they're responding, what they're doing is they're releasing mediators that can be quite inflammatory. Now, if you've got a cut, that's most people's experience with visible experience with mast cells, you get a cut, you maybe don't get cleaned up quick enough, it gets red, swollen, and that's your mast cells are orchestrating an immune response in that area to create some inflammation, call the other immune cells in and initiate healing and also protect us from any kind of bacteria that might be getting in there. But they will start to respond. They're in almost every tissue in the body, except some very, very select places like the cornea. And they're in our skin, they're in our whole GI tract, they're in the brain. At every nerve ending, we have mast cells. They're in any place where outside our body meets the outside world, sinuses, the vaginal canal, the urethra, the bladder. And when they get overstimulated for too long of a period or there's been a continual onslaught, I think of them like guards of the castle gate. And if they're constantly being attacked, then they, and they don't get to take a break, then they're gonna to start to get wonky. If people have ever had to stay awake for three nights in a row, you know how we get, your mind goes weird and you can't, you know, you can't track anymore. Things don't make sense anymore. Well, our mast cells should be able to respond and relax, respond and relax, but we are exposed to so many toxins, more toxins than we've ever been exposed to in the entire human history. We're exposed to chemicals that are combining with other chemicals that we don't even know what they do anymore. We've got electromagnetic fields. We have stress levels like we've never had, and particularly this past, you know, this past year for people, year and a half has been extremely stressful. So we layer that on. We have access to seeing now through the internet and news sources all the stressful events that happen. We're just bombarded every day with things that the mast cells are sensing for and they're, it's on their radar to watch out for. And then mold toxins, mold issues have exploded. And that's another piece that's driving this. All of this is driving the mast cells to get dysregulated. When they get dysregulated, they are overproducing these inflammatory molecules. And then this is where you get these kinds of symptoms, depending on what system you're looking at. So if it's the GI tract, those mast cells are going to be more involved. You're going to get upper GI, you'll get things like acid reflux, or you may get diarrhea or constipation, abdominal pain, bloating, gas. If it's the brain and nervous system, you get anxiety, depression, because it's affecting the mast cells are communicating to the nerve endings. They're communicating to the neurotransmitter production. We get sleep issues from brain inflammation, skin. Some of the classic symptoms, but not everybody has, are rashes, flushing. I never have to wear blush because I've always got a red flush on my cheeks. But some people have a pale complexion. And you can psoriasis, any of these kind of skin conditions are going to be linked with mast cell issues. Also ties in with the hormone system. So you get a lot of hormone dysregulation. You can get menstrual issues for women. You can get infertility issues for men or women. And you can get issues where with painful muscles, painful joints, bone pain. And it just depends on which of those mast cells are involved. Even the cardiovascular system, people can get heart palpitations 
low blood pressure, sometimes high, low blood pressure is a little more common, and hypermobility is also very linked. But people won't have all of these. They, they'll have symptoms in two or more systems. So I've got some clients that have GI issues, they've got acid reflux, they've got abdominal pain, they've got bloating and um, gas, and they might have diarrhea constipation and they have trouble sleeping. And if somebody else that doesn't even look like that, they've got bone pain, muscle pain, joint pain, and then they might have heart palpitations, some of the neuropathies, nerve ending pain. Right. So definitely want to reiterate what you're saying for everyone is that it there isn't a system in the body that isn't affected. Every system can be affected, but typically it's not all systems, but it'll be a few different systems. So it can make it very difficult for practitioners to identify because it's a chameleon and it affects so many things. And as you know, my thing is hormones. So I do want to relate it to that in a couple ways. So number one, and you touched on this a minute ago, that it can affect the way your body responds to your normal sex hormones, right? Estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and cause symptoms that a doctor may think, oh, well, that's just because of your hormones and not realize that it's related to mast cell activation. So can you talk a little bit about what that might look like and how that happens? Absolutely. So part of this access, this is what I did my uh, master's research in was the area of psychoneuroendocrinoimmunology. So for people who aren't familiar with that, what does that mean? It means our stress and mind states, the immune system, the hormone system, and the immune system are all interwoven. And I know when I went through courses, it was always that, you know, here we're going to do a course on the immune system. And then over here, we're going to do a course on the, you know, the hormones, the endocrine system. Over here, we'll do a course on the nervous system and neurology. But we shouldn't be separating those out other than maybe for a basic. And then we've got to go into, but how do these really function? Because they don't function separately and they all function through this nervous system signaling communication. We think about that as a communication to the whole body. And so when we start to get mast cell dysregulation, there's estimated to be over a thousand mediators that mast cells can release. That's one of the most complex cells, if not the most complex cell in the, in the human body. There's a lot of possibilities. And most of these are signaling molecules. So they're signaling for different things. And then these mast cells have receptors on the outside too, hundreds of different types that can respond to all kinds of things. They're quite amazing. And some of these signaling molecules are gonna signal to the different endocrine types of pathways. One of the things, and we might have to marry this because you're quite much more the hormone expert than I am, so we can bring our, our knowledge together here. But on the mast cell side, estrogen is actually mast cell activating. So this is where people can get into some of these issues with estrogen dominance that we think of flushing. There's gonna be a mast cell component with that. We're getting into some of the sleep issues. We're getting into the night sweats and these kinds of things. Progesterone, though, is mast cell stabilizing. And so we think about needing to have that, that, that balance and not being in that estrogen dominance. 
Also DHEA is, is muscle stabilizing. Testosterone is muscle triggering. So if that gets out of balance, but I think about, well, why? Why are these muscles getting triggered? Why are the hormones getting triggered? And if we're gonna think about that axis, what's also dysregulating the nervous system signaling? So we think about that HPA axis. And one of the biggest disruptors is mold toxins for that whole system. And then also Lyme and Bartonella, but I often, often find mold toxins in these kinds of cases, especially these complex ones where the hormones, people get them balanced for a little bit and then they start to shift. Another really important hormone to talk about with mast cells is cortisol and, and also vitamin D, if we we're going to categorize that as a hormone. Mm -hmm. But cortisol is mast cell stabilizing to a certain point. So there's a sweet spot for cortisol. But then when we get into those hyper-stressed states, we're in that kind of stage one HPA axis dysregulation, we, that cortisol goes too high. Once we cross a threshold, then that's going to start to cause some mass cell activation. But also if we go too low on cortisol and it, our production is dropping out, we're not releasing it, we don't have that signaling operating anymore, that's also going to cause a lot of mass cell dysregulation. So we've got to be monitoring that cortisol as well. Right. So it's so interesting because when I say to some people, well, you could be allergic to your estrogen, they look at me like I'm crazy, but that's kind of what can happen. And since estrogen dominance is so prevalent, I think that a lot of people are suffering with mast cell activation specifically because estrogen dominance is really epidemic. So thank you for spelling that out. You know, it's something you said was really interesting to me. And I love how these systems are all connected, right? The neuroendocrine immune systems and, and the psychological systems, right? They're all interconnected. They're not for discrete systems, like you said. And you mentioned that the mast cells become dysregulated, which instantly reminded me of, I'm always teaching people People in my programs about the ACE study and childhood trauma and dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system. But I never heard that term applied to mast cells. And when you said that, I thought, wow, it, they really are mirroring the psychological system and the autonomic nervous system. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I just find it fascinating. Absolutely. And this is so important because if we want to address this kind of dysregulation, when we're talking about this whole axis, the nervous system, the immune system, the, the hormones. So whether we're talking about estrogen dominance, we're talking about autoimmunity, we're talking about mass activation syndrome, one of our great entry points is the nervous system. And in our clinic, nervous system rebalancing is 50% of the healing process. Everyone does nervous system work when they come through. And particularly, we specialize in people with a lot of sensitivities. So they're having trouble tolerating their supplements, tolerating their medications. They can't tolerate their hormones. So we're working to get them to where they can tolerate things. Or maybe they're tolerating things, but they're having weird responses that you wouldn't expect. Like the one I described with quercetin. Mm -hmm. That you know, should be calming down the inflammation. Curcumin should be calming down the inflammation. I was getting more inflamed. Why in the world would that be? Well, what was happening was my nervous system was sending signals constantly that I was in danger. 
And I love this model. It was developed by Bob Navio. And I've really been studying under my mentor, Neil Nathan, Dr. Neil Nathan, of cell danger response. And what this response is, is what happens to our bodies when we're under constant threat. And that threat can be toxins, that threat like mold toxins, very common in this, um, chronic infections like Lyme, any of the co-infections, and trauma, trauma or chronic stressors. So I think about, you know, a lot of people say I didn't have any trauma. And then I start asking questions and it's like, well, you know, did you feel really seen as a child? Did you really feel loved? A lot of people had childhood emotional neglect and they have no idea that that's a form of trauma. And some people had wonderful childhoods and then they've ended up with highly personality disordered boss in their workplace and they're being emotionally verbally abused in work. And that's a kind of trauma and that's this danger state that we get in. So we have these continual danger signals being sent down and that literally trickles down to this biochemical level where our bodies are gonna go through what I think of as a lockdown process. And so the way I describe it is if we've got a factory and all the biochemistry in our body, we think about like assembly lines and we're assembling packages, we're assembling compounds, we're assembling enzymes and we're breaking things back down again. And then all of a sudden we have a fire that breaks out over here in sector five. And that fire is whatever our major trigger is, mold, lime, a trauma, anything like that then we're not gonna keep running the assembly lines like normal. We're gonna to start to shut them down so we can put the fire out. And so what starts to happen is we start to shut down things like vitamin D production. We can start to shut down the signaling to cortisol. We start to have iron dysregulation. We start to lock the iron away in the tissues and away from the blood. We start to get hormone dysregulation and we start to get a great increase of mast cell activation because mast cells are involved in responding to toxins and pathogens. And that autonomic nervous system is highly involved in all of this. And then people can get stuck in it. And this is where we see cases like mine were, where I was just stuck for years. Nobody could break through with me. Everything was failing. I wasn't getting any progress. Nobody knew what to do. And I just kept falling through the cracks because that system was so locked down. And to start to unravel that, the starting point is rewiring the nervous system, literally rewiring the patterning. And this is things like limbic system retraining, which is so important, and a lot of vagal nerve exercises. And those are the pieces that we have people start. So things like DNRS, Gupta program, our wonderful programs. There's a lot of different vagal nerve options, but people have to do both. And this is why we, I made a course called the Mass Cell Nervous System Reboot to help people build a roadmap for themselves and decide because there's hundreds of options out there too and it's overwhelming, hard to figure out where to go. So it helps people see how do you, where do you get started and based on your level of dysregulation, how much do you need to, to do? And I have people who can reboot it in 30 minutes a day. I have some people who are really, really sick and have been more where I've been and it's taken us two hours a day to get it rebooted, but it happens mm -hmm. and it's, it's life-changing. We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there. 
here. It's Dr. Karen. I'm just wondering how long you're going to go with those unbalanced hormones. I mean, you told me during the Stop the Menopause Madness Summit that you couldn't take it anymore. So where have you been? Since the summit, Deb M has already balanced her hormones, gotten to her goal weight, and is looking forward to wearing her bathing suit on the beach this summer. And Carrie, who hadn't been able to lose even five pounds in the past 10 years, has now lost an amazing 15 pounds and is feeling and looking great. Not to mention, she's sleeping better and her mood has improved. Aaron, Ashley, Debsy, and so many more are already enjoying the benefits of having balanced hormones. And I'm wondering if you could use some help finding out your personal hormone levels and knowing exactly what to do to balance your hormones so that you can lose weight, regain energy, balance your moods, feel sexy and confident, look great and master midlife or whatever you want to do. Know that all health begins with balanced hormones. Everything you want in life begins here and nothing good ever comes from tolerating hormone imbalances. We're launching the Hormone Balance Mastermind again this July, so don't wait. Space is limited, and it will be months before we run this program again. Go to www.midlifemetabolisminstitute.com to apply for the program or get on the early bird wait list so that as soon as registration opens, you can be the first to apply and secure your spot. If you've had enough and you want to find out how good life can be once your hormones are balanced, I know I'll see you there. Talk to you soon. And we're back. Before we wrap up at the end, I want you to share with everyone the mast cell nervous system reboot, because I talk about these things all the time, but I'm really talking about hormones and it's important. And I think the more resources people have, the better. So I definitely want you to share that. And let's talk a little bit about, you've mentioned some of these infectious agents, including molds and some of the Lyme-related co-infections. How do these relate to mast cell activation syndrome? How would somebody know that they might have one of these? It's a great question because mold toxicity is one of the great mimickers of all kinds of other disorders. And it will trigger mast cell activation syndrome. It's one of the it's, well, it's absolutely the top trigger that I see in my practice. I have had very few people come through that have not had mold toxicity. Now that said, I'm getting people who are quite ill. So I'm not seeing people with mild mast cell issues generally. Mold toxins have become quite prevalent because of a few factors. One, we've changed the building codes. So this happened around the 1970s. And then again in 1999, to make buildings much more energy efficient, which was fantastic from a planet perspective and an environmental perspective. But when we solve a problem, we often create new problems. And we solved a big problem. We created some new problems that have not been solved yet in a wide scale way. And that problem is that we're trapping more moisture in our walls and humidity in our homes Anytime you have humidity over 50%, 
you're going to get mold growth. That's just how mold is. It's, it's everywhere. You can't get away from mold. But some molds are non-toxic and some molds are quite toxic. So we created an environment and made it easier for mold to grow. But this, we still didn't have this explosion yet. It was kind of on the precipice. But chronic illness, every practitioner I've talked to who's been in practice for a few decades says that they see that people's health issues have become more severe, more chronic cases, they're more mysterious and they're harder to unravel than they were 20 years ago even. And this is a piece of it. Another factor is that we started using fungicidal paints and that helped reduce the weaker growing molds in our bathrooms and in our kitchens. Great, that solved a problem, but it created a new problem, which is that it does not kill the really toxic molds like Stachybotrys, Aspergillus penicillium, Fusarium. So now it's almost like the same situation with overuse of antibiotics. And now we've got super bugs, we're getting super molds and they don't have any competition from the weaker growing molds that are non-toxic. So we just killed the non-toxic ones. Then the third thing that really made this take off was that we started bringing Wi-Fi routers and all these Wi-Fi devices into our homes. And there have been some preliminary studies. We need some validation on this, but I've talked to enough mold inspectors who are also seeing this trend that mold issues in homes have started exploding since we increased the EMFs. And the theory about what's happening is that molds recognize these waves, these electromagnetic fields coming from our Wi-Fi routers and our laptops and you know, ring devices and all these different things that we've got going on, Alexa and Echo and so on. It sees it as a threat, doesn't know what it is. So it's it's different. So it sees it as a threat. And when mold is threatened, it puts out more spores and more toxins and often more significantly toxic toxins. So we've got this, and this is where we really started exploding. And if we think about when did we start doing that? About 10 to 20 years ago. And this is where we're getting this huge increase of health issues. So there was a study that looked at, well, does everybody have toxic mold, some level of it? And the study had a control group, and then they had a group of people they knew had mold toxicity. And what they found was that other than a very tiny bit of a type of toxin called okra toxin, which was quite minimal and people did not have mold toxicity, people should not have any mold toxins in their bodies. You might have a little from things like coffee, nuts, chocolate, some of those foods. The other ones we're not really getting through a food supply. We're getting through this exposure. And there were some studies that were done by the EPA and the Berkeley National Laboratory that found that 49% of all homes in the, in the United States are water damaged with toxic mold. So it's 49%. This was in the 1990s. So it has not been repeated. And we've got weather issues that increase flooding. We've got more hurricanes. We've got more of these kinds of problems. They found that a large percentage of schools had toxic mold and that a large percentage of commercial buildings like workplaces, retail stores. So this is really a huge issue and one that is triggering this cascade of other problems because mold disrupts every system in our body, our GI tract, our hormones, 
it disrupts our immune system, our nervous system, our brains. And the big thing about mold and why I put so much emphasis on it is that bacteria and viruses, when they colonize in our bodies, their strategy is to, they want to keep the host alive, make weaken it, but they're going to keep us alive so they can keep replicating. We think about mold, what they do to fruit, <laughs> what they do to vegetables, what do they do to vegetables, what do they do to bread, the sat in the bread oh box, my gosh. they decompose. That's right. what they do. And they actually produce all these types of enzymes, proteases, hydrolases, it's been really well studied, that break down the tissue in the body to get the host, to get the nutrients out. Right. So they can continue to grow. And this is why it's such a huge issue. And it's actually, some people may find this a little shocking, but I'm going to very much stand by it. It's a bigger issue than Lyme. Because again, Lyme's going to weaken us. Mold is going to decompose us. And mold keeps us from being able to get Lyme handled, to get SIBO handled. When people keep having hormone issues. When nothing's making sense, I always go and look for mold toxicity and colonization. Yeah, you know, that's it's so interesting. There's a, a documentary, I think it's on Netflix, about fungi and how really they make up the most mass of any organism on this earth, which you don't really see it. So you don't realize that they're all throughout the soil. They have an, a network. We have the internet and they have an even bigger, whatever you want to call it, network under the ground. And uh, so that's really interesting. And, and their whole purpose, like you describe, is to decompose us. I had a client um, several years ago who we diagnosed with stachyboitrous and the only place we could identify was that it was coming from her job, which was in an old building in a basement that smelled like mold. And she brought this to their attention. And of course, they brought in an inspector who said there was no mold. And it came down to she was not going to get better. if She continued working there. She worked from home for a while. But after a while, three months, they said, you either come back or you don't have a job. And because we have proven that there's no stachyboitrous here. And I basically had to say to her, you know, it's it's your health and your life or you're going to just have to find another job. And she did end up quitting and it absolutely transformed her life. But can you talk a little bit about society's ability and willingness to accept that this is a problem and diagnose it and do something about it? Yeah, you hit on some really important things, which is most people don't think they have a mold issue in their home. And they think, well, I can't see any mold, so it's not there. It, you rarely see mold. It's very unusual to have mold in a home in North America any, anyway that you could actually see it growing the walls. Now, I've had people from the Bahamas. I've had clients from other really tropical areas in Mexico where they did grow up and places like Peru, they could see it growing on the walls. But we typically don't have that here. It grows behind the walls or it grows under the carpet. Shampooing carpets is the worst thing we can do mm -hmm. in our homes for our carpets because the pad gets soaked and then it takes a week to dry. Well, if you have moisture for more than 48 hours, you have mold growth guaranteed. And now that doesn't mean everybody's got to rip their walls out and rip their carpets out. I don't want to alarm people. 95% of the time, mold can be cleaned up. And that's the good news. And it is game-changing, like you just said. I mean, it could save people's lives. I had a 
little girl who was having daily anaphylaxis, her throat was closing from eating things like carrots. I mean, it didn't matter what she ate. It was low histamine, mm-hmm. clean foods. Her throat was closing up and she couldn't breathe. And they had no idea they had a mold issue. It was all under the floor. And so they got her out of the mold. The anaphylaxis stopped. I've had people who were having multiple seizures a day. They got out of the mold. The seizures stopped. And people who just are so incredibly stuck and sensitive, they're exposed to mold. And this was part of my own journey. I had a workplace in this beautiful historic building. It was built right after the Civil War. Gorgeous place. And I had a lower level office. I didn't smell any mold in there. And when I went to move out, I'd been there for 10 years. When I went to move out, I had some things against the wall and like pictures. And I had a vase that was up against the wall. And I pulled those away and the plaster came with it. And it was just wet behind. I had no idea. And I had also gotten acclimated to the smell. So after I had moved out, everything, I realized like all the paperwork I had, everything that had in there smelled like mold, but I couldn't smell it anymore. And that was also part of what was keeping me sick. So we do have to get out of the exposure. It's huge. And the other really important thing you said was the mold inspector came in and said, there's no mold. And I hear that over and over. And I've um, worked closely with Jeff Bookout, who's one of the country's top medical mold inspectors on, you know, really understands the health issues. And what he shared with me is that the, the training and certification for mold inspectors is quite minimal. And they're, they're just certified to be able to know whether a building should pass a building inspection. And the amount of mold that they allow is the amount of mold that generally I think of a very, very healthy college athlete could handle being in for a period of time. But for those of us who have these chronic health issues, it, that's not good enough. It's just like saying, oh, well, those cabinets are putting off unhealthy amount of VOCs, but you'll be fine. It'll <laughs> just keep breathing it. You'll be okay. In the meantime, the person has dangerous carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide levels and their air is terrible. So we've got to do better than what we're doing right now with the mold inspection process. And we usually have to find somebody who's got that health grade, med- understands the medical side, the health side issues that can happen from being exposed to this amount of mold. So how can people listening find a mold inspector who actually knows what they're doing and will find the mold? What I actually recommend people do, and this is one of the things I'm going to do, I've got mold course for people with mast cell issues and sensitivities. And I'm going to talk them through all of this. But I actually, people start with some whole mold testing. And I've found, I've had numerous people that brought in four mold inspectors. They had spent three to $4,000 having their home tested. And they all told them they had no mold. And then we ran some mold plates through a company called Immunolytics. And I have a special testing process that I shifted a little bit to make it even more stringent. Um, but we ran some mold plates and we ran an ERMI test. And through those, we found the mold. And so, again, this is where the inspectors are usually just doing air testing. And mold spores are heavy. So if we're just testing the air, that mold is falling to the floor. And it's not going to be in the air. And so we're missing it. And they'll compare the mold levels outside to the mold levels inside and go, oh, well, it's equivalent, so you don't have a mold problem. 
why is somebody who was so sick in Florida and she had, this is very rare. I don't usually have this, but she had such a severe reaction to mold. She actually had to head out to New Mexico for a few months to let her system calm back down. So just because we match the outside mold doesn't mean that, you know, that's going to be okay. But finding somebody who's really trained in the health side and checking out like, who are the inspectors that are going to the conferences? Who are the inspectors that are presenting on the mold summits? Those are the people to look for because they get this. And then finding somebody in the area. It's tricky though. You know, you've got to do some digging. And sometimes I have people do those mold plates and the ERMI test, and then we'll connect them with somebody like Jeff Bookout that I mentioned. We Inspect is another company that has a program that's really good. And there's a few other people. It's hard. And then you've got to remediate. So I, I tell people that's the hardest part of the journey. If you can get that to handled, then you'll be able to tolerate doing the detoxing and getting it out of your system. And it'll feel like a piece of cake comparatively. Yeah. Remediate or move. I have clients and I'll suggest they get a, a mold inspection and I see people all over the country. And so I don't always know someone in their area. And when they tell me the mold inspector came and they say, they said, there's no mold. I say, well, did they look behind the sheetrock? Did they pull up the carpet? Did they do a no? No, they didn't. Okay. So, you know, they really have to do some digging. So you can't necessarily see it. You can't necessarily smell it. Almost 50% of homes in North America have mold in them. And would you say toxic molds that will make us sick? Yeah, toxic molds. So that's certainly an issue of concern. And if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder if that's me, if I have that in my home and if it's contributing to my health, Dr. O'Hara is going to share some resources when we before we wrap up on how you can get more information on this. She has new programs coming out that she can support you with with this. So we'll talk about that. I did want to touch on Lyme and the co-infections a little bit and how that plays into mast cell activation because there's so many people who think they have Lyme, their doctor tests them, says they don't have Lyme, and there are these co-infections that most regular doctors don't check for. So how can someone know if that's a part of their health issues or not? This is such a great question. It's the million dollar question. (laughs) That's why I ask it. As we know, Lyme can go into these spirochete forms. It can hide behind biofilms. That's why the testing is so challenging. One of the best labs right now is Igenix. They're doing the better Lyme testing right now. There's a few others that are okay. Your typical Western blot's not catching it. They're missing so much. And the other thing is, if people have had chronic illness for a long time, and they also have mold, you're probably not going to know until you peel the mold layer back because again, they mimic so much. And a lot of times people have mold toxins, they don't tolerate the Lyme treatments very well, or they just don't work. I've had people come in, they were on IV antibiotics for five years and still sick. And sometimes the Lyme is gone. And sometimes it's just this mold layer hasn't been peeled off. So the immune system can kick back in. The process I go through, and I always like to be upfront, I'm not a Lyme expert. I'm a mold detox expert and a mast cell expert, but I'm not a Lyme expert. What I see my job in is getting people to the point where we can peel these other layers back and then they can tolerate 
the standard Lyme treatments. And then we'll bring somebody on the team there. In my type of practice, anyway, the way that we know, again, is if we're still fairly symptomatic in those symptoms that look like Lyme. So a lot of joint pain, muscle pain, the sleep issues, the night sweats. Tinnitus is one that is often mold toxins, but can have a Lyme component to it. And the nervous system dysregulations, the tics. Um, I used to have this little tick by my nose, made me look like Elvis. I was always hoping nobody could see it. And people that have had those, they know what I'm talking about. It just like you feel it moving all the time. Restless legs, those kinds of nervous system problems. If they're still there once the mold testing, and we're talking about testing somebody's body, urine testing, showing that they're mold free for three months, and then we still we're still symptomatic, that's a good time to start to peel back that layer. The other time can be when we've got really severe illness and it seems like it's more acute, like their illness came on very quickly. They were fine and then they were out camping or they were out hiking or who knows, sometimes people are just in the yard when they get bitten and all of a sudden they've got fever, they've got severe fatigue and it hits them really hard and it seems at that acute phase, that's a good time to do testing. And if it's acute, of course, you're going to, do everything you can to try to get some treatment at that point and get it knocked out before it becomes chronic. Okay. So definitely looking for those nervous systems type symptoms would be something that would cue you in that maybe there is Lyme or co-infection there. Joint aches. Joint uh, aches. Joint aches. Just that crushing fatigue, sleep issues, night sweats. Right. Okay. All right. But the mold and the mast cells can keep you busy for a long time. And thank you so much for shedding light on what seems to be very mysterious to a lot of people, for sharing your journey, for turning your pain into your purpose so you can help other people. You have so many wonderful resources. Your website is amazing resource directory. Thank you so much for that. I know that you have you have a free download of which of the seven root causes of mast cell activation syndrome do you have? We will have that link in the show notes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, I'd love to. So that just steps people through the main trigger, some of the things we talked about, like chemical toxins. I put pathogens together with the Lyme and the mold, other chronic pathogens. I want to do another version and break the mold out more, but it talks about nervous system dysregulation, talks about trauma, talks about hormone dysregulation and mast cells, takes them through these different things in more depth so people can start to think about, really the purpose is to get people to think about why are these dysregulated? Because that's how we heal, is going in and looking at what's triggering this underneath, not just, well, how do we just keep addressing the symptoms? That keeps us spinning for a long time. So that was the purpose there. And then there's a symptom survey people can get to as well through the menu. And just look and see, it's based on the research on the mast cell activation syndrome symptoms that was done by um, Dr. Afrin and a number of his colleagues and uh, helps people total up, okay, does this worth looking deeper into? Great. And I know you have a new mold course. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Thank you so much. I'm super excited about this. Yes. So I was on a research team. This is how this started. I was on a research team with Emily Gibbler at Tree of Life Health, with Dr. Neil Nathan, and then Dr. Joe Mather has been doing research on how do we really know 
that what we're using works for detoxing mold. And so we did these months and months long literature searches, combing all of it. And we came out with matrices of what we actually know works in terms of binders, in terms of phase two detox. And then I've taken that and put it into this model of how do we work with mast cell activation, people who are sensitive, they're getting stuck with detox. How do you actually get through when nothing else is working? And that's what this program is about. It's about being paced for people who want that like high performance, high charge, we're going to get this done in four months. It's not the course for them. It's about people who need to take a slow, steady, methodical pace and have been struggling for a long time. They're not sure how to put the pieces together. And it's quite extensive. There's a basic level. It's two hours long with just the high level info people need. Then there's an advanced course that gets into all the research and how this relates, how the systems relates and lots of troubleshooting and case studies. Awesome. That sounds amazing. So definitely if you're dealing with mold, mast cell activation, check that out. And we will have a link in the show notes for that as well. Anything else you want to share about with people on this topic or resources that you want to share with them? Oh, I would love to. I, I just want to share for people that have felt stuck, if starting to feel hopeless, it can be a very lonely journey. And the most important thing is to never give up, to definitely keep going. And that's why I talked about earlier that I had to make a choice if I was going to suffer or I was going to turn this around and decide to thrive. And I didn't know how. I just knew I didn't want to suffer. And we can create a lot of suffering around feeling sick in terms of layering in why or feeling like a victim. Or But we don't have to do that. There's so many resources than when what was even conceived 20 years ago when I was struggling with all of this. So I want people to know they don't have to stay stuck. They don't have to stay alone and not to get mired in it, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yes, I would reiterate that. And I would recommend that you avail yourself of the resources that Dr. O'Hara has shared, because what a lot of people do when they hear about things on the podcast is they say, oh, I'm going to ask my doctor. And unfortunately, your doctor probably is not the best resource for this type of information, because mainstream medicine hasn't necessarily caught up to what's available. So you definitely want to check these resources out. This is why I have this podcast is to help women access care beyond their doctor's offices that can avail them to a higher level of vitality. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. O'Hara. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you, Dr. Dunson. I'm very grateful that you can help us get this message out and anything we can do to support your message as well. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.